Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blizz Ball, the fan. <laughs> From the fish-filled Midwest lakes to the deep woods of the north, upland prairies filled with pheasants to the whistling wings of duck ponds, this is Saturday Morning Fan Outdoors, your show for hunting and fishing tips, topics, and conversations. You can also send us a question or opinion by emailing us, booth at kfan.com. Here's your host, the fans, Captain Billy Hildebrand. 50 seconds. After the hour of 6 a.m., good morning, Fan Outdoors faithful. Yes, good morning to you. Well, I hope you're up and at them. Let's go at 6 o'clock. Get up and get... Well, no. Stay in bed. It's a whole lot easier. This morning, Brett agrees with me... I, yeah, <laughs> it's. I'm here. I made it. I know you did. And congratulations you. to you on a rugged night with no sleep. About zero. Yeah, approximately. And you're not even real crabby yet. I'm not. I typically don't get too crabby. That's what I was going to ask you. I really. I've seen you in kind You've of You've seen me in a state a foul, many times. Foul yes. mood, but not really crabby. Uh, I don't I, I don't take it out on you. I, I or you guys or, yeah. or Dave or anyone yeah. on Saturdays. I just get exhausted these <laughs> Saturdays sometimes. sometimes. And today's one of those days. Sometimes I get kind of crabby. Um but you know, but some days, yeah, some days are they're just some days are better than other days. Let's leave it that way. How's that? Uh, but so far for yours truly, this is okay. The, the roads in the North Metro are, are not bad at all. I, I don't know if they're slippery because I didn't try it. And I'm not one of these guys that step on the brakes to see if it's slippery because that's a bad move. Um, but I am. I did put a little more care in my driving and paid real close attention and slowed down just a little bit. And that's probably a, a real good idea. But um the, the we don't we didn't get a lot of snow we got flurries and that's about it but if you look at it as it got colder and cold uh, well not miserably cold 7 degrees by the time i got down to uh KFAN the building KFAN uh that KFAN sits in um but there's supposed to be a high today of 14 Flurries and snow showers, they say. A northwest wind is blowing, though. I'm sure when you get out in the country and you get south of the cities, there's a lot of snow. And you get up where uh, Greg Masoglia is in northern Wisconsin, uh, the uh, Brittany breeder that 
I got both I and Chad got our our pups from. That he said that they've got a, a foot of snow up there, so they got a foot of snow yesterday, and that is uh, that's a lot of snow. That's a lot of moving, and it's a lot of plowing. And goodness gracious, I'm thankful that we haven't dealt with that so far. But there is a 15% chance or maybe an 85% chance that there's no snow. And I kind of like that better. Sun up today, 49 minutes after the hour of 7 o'clock. Sets 4.54 this afternoon in the North Metro where I reside. And the good thing with that is there is uh, an additional... 18 minutes of daylight from December 30th. That's not so bad, is it? Not too bad at all. Nope. You know what? I, I, uh, I, I know that there's another man who had lost his life on ice, driving on ice on Mille Lacs Lake. And that's so unfortunate. I mean, it really is. It's, it's really, really sad. And, and I, I, I am, I feel so bad for the family. He was wearing a life jacket from what the news report said, but evidently, uh, after his vehicle went through six inches of ice on the lake, uh, he probably didn't have the ice picks to pull himself out unless hypothermia set in too soon. And that is a difficult thing too. Um, Hypothermia is a, a real villain when it comes to cold water, and I've not come anywhere close to that. But I remember, uh, actually, I'll never forget on Mother's Day one year when I was a, a much younger kid and much more foolish, we decided we were going to be the first on the lake to water ski, and we put the boat in on the beach in in town and launched it and went and. Being a, a little bit show-offish, I guess you might say, uh, on a slalom ski, I cut too hard and fell, hit the water, and it actually sucked my breath right out of my body. And it was uh, it was not a fun experience, and I, that's all I can say. I, I it, it was uh, it was an experience. That I learned quite a bit from, evidently, because uh, I there's many things I can't remember from back in those days, but that I do remember, and it's uh, I can't imagine going through the ice and not able to get out with a in a, a emotional and and a panic setting that you just kind of scrap and scrap and scrap, and it sounds like everything just kind of numbs up and you can't move and the end is in sight that's really unfortunate and i i i can't i can't confirm this because i didn't see it anywhere else other than just a, uh, a hearsay but supposedly some people got had to get rescued off red lake again and i i don't doubt it but i hope not i hope it's not accurate because this is just goofy and i i know it's cold out I know we're making ice, but where there was open water just a week or so ago, we need to give it a little more time in order to make good ice. There's a difference between ice and good ice, and there's a difference between walking and driving. Uh, 
Uh, so please, 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 there is not a fish in this eter in this whole world that's worth a human life, especially if it's a family member and a loved one of your own or yourself. And uh, it's just, it's not worth that. It's, I don't care what anybody says. They can argue all they want is about how much they love to ice fish and how much they love to do this and that. And everybody else is so stupid and I'm so smart. I know exactly what's going on. Man, you're an idiot. That's all I'm going to say. You're just an idiot. Uh, this morning, we are going to, I think you're going to enjoy this if you are a bird hunter, if you're a dog owner. And if you enjoy hearing from Tom Dockin, because Tom will be joining us a little bit later in the program with a dog conversation at length. And I, I always am excited about talking with Tom. A wealth of knowledge, a man that's recognized and respected throughout the United States and beyond, because he has made uh, uh, quite a as his reputation gets there way before him wherever he travels and who wherever he speaks. So he will join us. Uh, Tommy George will join us, and his reputation leads uh, on and on and on and on because he is a professional angler of a lot of note. He has been, he and his uh, brother were around an awful long time, and he is just a real, real genuine man, and I, I do respect his opinion when it comes to fishing and getting out and being careful and all the things that he does. It's, he's very, very good at what he does, and uh, a real genuine family man that cares about kids an awful lot. Uh, and also, Bob St. Pierre. Where in the world is Bob this weekend? Well, he's going to check in with us a little bit later in the show, unless he's attached to some cactus someplace and hanging up by some of the uh, the needles that come from a cacti and are groveling in the desert for water uh, alongside some skulls of former cattle that didn't couldn't find water either. But uh, we're hoping for the best and hoping he has a chance to join us. And that will be along a little bit later in the day. Have you plans for the day? Well, I don't know. I've been feeding the stove considerable amounts of wood and enjoying some warm that is wood heat. And I, I do that. And I was thinking back, I have heated with wood. Prime. It's, an, uh, all, it's not the primary source of heat in my home. It's just a freestanding wood stove. But I have done that for... A lot, a lot of years and cut a lot of trees, split a lot of wood and have carried in armloads at a time. But I, I thoroughly do enjoy the wood heat that it is. And I, I can sit in front of the wood stove in the darkness and it really brings me back, brings me back to uh, other days, other places and other times. And that uh, quietly with Bria and Snap curled up near me. I, I enjoy that an awful, awful lot. So until uh, it turns into spring, which is are, is months away, uh, we've got lots of living yet to do because in my vehicle, I have now changed seasons. I have taken the skunk kit from my car, my truck, 
I have removed the extra shotgun shells that uh, travel with me, along with the camo and some of the uh, blaze orange that travels behind my seat. On hangers, when I need it, I am pretty much equipped in the fall to hop in the vehicle, and they can stay for a week or so if I need to, wherever I'm going. And uh, that is now gotten put back into the closet and into places that it belongs for a season or two and uh, have moved. And today it will be replaced with ice armor, winter boots, gloves, and the other kinds of things that you need when you are going out and about. And looking forward to doing some ice fishing, but not until the ice is safe. So we'll take our first pause of the morning. And come back and be joined by Mr. Tommy George, talking a little bit of fishing. Not much to talk about between he and I, but we can talk about when and what and uh, about the uh, getting ready to go fishing. And that's all we've been talking about, but that's not so bad either. I've kind of started thinking about summer fishing already. And I, I'll stop that train of conversation and train of thought soon because it is pretty much time to to uh, gear up and jump into reality a little bit as long as the, the ice continues to get thicker and thicker and thicker. We'll be right back with more. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On the fan. We're back. Up from San Antonio. I saw something in my email come through, and it's not one that I pay much attention to, but usually I'm deleting a lot of stuff. But this one, I think, if you're looking for something to do as a child today, it might be kind of fun. And it's free. And it comes from Fleet Farm. But from uh, today, from 9 a.m. until 1 p.m., the way it reads, you can go to Fleet Farm and you and your child can build a free birdhouse. And all the materials are free, which would be kind of fun because you could take it home. I know I've got wood duck houses that we built at Gander, no, at Burger Brothers, a lot of years ago that are hanging out of the lake and wood ducks use them all the time. Well, this birdhouse, if you and your child build it, you'll take it home and paint it or do whatever and hang it up. And and I, I think your kids might get a lot of enjoyment out of watching what occupies it. So it's just a thought. One to, what did it say? One to nine to one a.m. today at Fleet Farm. So anyway, hey, let's welcome into the conversation our next guest, Tommy George, pro angler, Tommy George. 
joins us every other week on Fan Outdoors, and this is an every other. So, Tommy, good morning, sir. Good morning, Billy. Um, I do a lot of shopping at Fleet Farm, so that's really sweet, and I got grandkids that would probably love it. I know that. Isn't that fun? I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, very, very, very good idea. Yeah, and uh, I know that, the like I mentioned, the wood duck houses, both Eric and Chad and I, Actually, the boys built them, but I hung them up, and that was, goodness gracious, I mean, to almost 20 years ago. It was Gander, yeah. not uh, Burger Brothers at the time, uh, Bud and Ted yeah. Burger, they, that's a long time ago. But You're right. Kind yeah, of fun. Uh, I used to go over to there to, to their store over in Bloomington quite a bit, and uh, you're right, that's quite a, quite a few years ago, but... Uh, uh, I've made uh, some uh, wood duck houses for, for the kids because they're on a small little lake. And the kids enjoy the, the babies every year, and it's so cute to watch them. And they try and they try and time it to the point where they can watch the little ones jump out of the house and yeah. jump jump into the water, which is it's it's so cute. And then they, they stay, once they're in the water, they stay that way all, you know, all the rest of the sure. summer. So. Yeah. But it, it's really cute. I know that they've got they've got cameras now that you can put into a wood duck house, and it, they're wireless, so they would hook up to your internet in the house to a television monitor. And right, I they Delta Waterfowl one time had uh, had the cameras on duck nests. Tommy, I was addicted to the dang thing, and I can't imagine if I had a camera in my wood duck houses, I wouldn't get anything done. <laughs> you just sit and watch watch nature go by, and uh, but it's a fun thing, and it, it, you waste a lot of time doing it. But that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. It's yeah. better than I guess picking your nose and sitting on the table doing nothing. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Billy. I wish I had. I wish I had more answers for this crazy, crazy weather we got. And it's um, I, I feel really bad. My wife just told me about that. 80-year-old gentleman that uh, that passed away he went through the ice and Malax, and it's it's a sin. It's absolutely crazy, and I don't know why anybody, especially now, would be driving a truck. Um, it, it, now it's it's you know I went two days ago. I went to three different lakes, Billy, <laughs> and I never fished. Um, I drilled some holes in the first lake. It was less than three inches, so I backed out of that lake i went to another one and i couldn't even get on that one because the water the water was um, away from the shore so far and i went to another one and out in the middle there was a, a big open spot where the geese were sitting and making all kinds of racket and so i didn't go there and it's crazy and a, and a friend called me jim Bucky called me and he says because uh, him and i we you know, always check things out, and he calls me about if we go fishing or if he does any good or whatever. He says, Tommy, I just went by Jarvis Lake. This was yes uh, Thursday. He says the lake is wide open. Yeah. And, you know, that's crazy. I mean, what's happening? I have no, I wish I had more answers, and I don't know who who would have more answers about it. But like you said, Billy, the bottom line is it's going to get really cold this week. And that's a good thing, and it's going to be it's going to make things a little safer. But I tell you what, don't go anywhere. Don't you know? Just like you said, 
sit at the table and pick your nose if you have to. Yeah, but you know, Tommy, I think I'm I'm fairly convinced that we 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 it was predicted that this was going to happen, that the upper Midwest was going to have uh, warmer than what's considered normal, and whatever normal is these days, I, I honest to God, I don't know, but right. warmer than normal. And uh, that came to fruition. But I think that people are so, so much slaves to the calendar because it's been there for a lifetime and it's always worked before that they just are right. resistant to any change. Uh, and God, I'm, I'm old, but I can change that way. <laughs> yes, exactly, Bill, you know. That's exactly what people are thinking. It's the middle of January, and there's still lakes wide open. And they, it, people are talking about El Nino and Zanat and, uh, and the jet streams coming down from the Gulf and um, nothing coming down from uh, the Arctic yet. And it's, it's goofy. And, you know, things always go in cycles. And like I said many years ago, I was in a boat in January with Steve Bauman. And um, we were fishing in the boat at Prior Lake, and it was actually a wonderful, warm day. And that was a long time ago. So, um, And then again, I, I mentioned one time that the, the earliest I've ever been out ice fishing, it was like two weeks before Thanksgiving. So see, things change so much, and it's just, uh, it's it's not something that you... Just because it says it's uh, November, January, or whatever, December, um, like you said, Billy, you don't just go running out on the ice because you think it's safe. And this year is definitely one that uh, we've lost enough people already this year, young kids, older gentlemen, and it's crazy. So if they just wait and see what's going to happen down the road here, you'll be able to fish. You'll be able to ice fish. And uh, you're doing it smart, Billy. You tell people how bad it is right now, and it is. So there's no getting around that. Well, but, uh, the, the we'll be able to ice fish, and hopefully in a week or so, we'll be able to get out and do some. It's, it's kind of funny, Tommy, because it's, it's kind of flipped. If it was really cold now, and we got this warm snap in February where the lakes began to ice, lose ice, and they began to open up and things like that, or even March, March, uh, or February, because it'd be really early, then people are super excited because the, yeah. the, the lakes are opening and they're going to be anxious to get their boats out and boat sails will start jumping up through the roof. But now on the other end of the spectrum, People can't accept that, and that, I find that kind of curious. Very honestly, I hear you. You're right, Billy. It's a, it's goofy. The only, how can I say? The only good thing, I guess, is hoping that, um, like you said, we're, we're, the, the days are getting longer, and it's going to be maybe we'll be able to get out sooner in the boat, which is always fun, but it's still fun. Uh, there's a thing about ice fishing. I, you know what? I feel bad about these fellas and everybody that has these um, fish houses these that they can't pull out right now. And I see them on the highway all the time and parked in people's yards. And 
they're just biting their, their nails, uh, waiting for the ice to accumulate. But please be careful. You don't want to drop one of those big things in, and it'll happen. Tommy, so, the, 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 uh, the thing about the wheelhouses, and Eric has got, he's paying money every month on a really, really brand new, really expensive, beautiful ice castle. But he's ha- he's just totally satisfied with it because the the people that created those things were wise enough to make them usable in all four seasons. And Eric has okay. been using his lickety split. He used it for hunting. He used it to go to visit some family where they could stay and not have to intrude on the family. They stayed in the fish house right in their yard. And he said it's worth every penny he's paying for it. So it's even though it's aimed at fishing, it has much greater use than that too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's your summer cabin. Yeah, and it's a good thing. So you can still go out and buy one and not feel bad because you can't put it on the ice. So you can still use it all year long, like your son does. I know they all went up to your cabin, yeah. And uh, there's uh, your son brought his up there, and you had a bunch of family members, and I'm sure it helped for you know. Uh, people so they have enough room for everybody so that's that's there is a good thing about that it looked like a koa campground with ice ice fishing units <laughs> up there man and that was july 4th <laughs> um <laughs> i suppose yeah well that's good though that's uh um i've i've made fish houses and um you know the solid ones with big skids on the bottom yeah. and they're just too hard to move yeah and if you're gonna do it you know if you got the time you got the money buy it a wheelhouse it is worth it and uh, it's uh, it's uh, you can use it like you said year round a question comes in to the bradshaw and bryant kfan text line at six four six eight six and the uh, the listener says what does the lack of fishing do to fish populations and uh, i have an opinion and i think you probably do too tommy well you know billy i think but it's it's a nice reprieve for the fish. Um, they're not being bombarded right now. They're they're having a chance to just do their thing. And you know, when we do go ice fishing, Billy, it's going to be like first ice. Yeah. And this is going to be the middle of January or the towards the end of January. So it's going to be almost like first ice. So the fish will be, I think, they'll be extremely active. And uh, what I'm going to do, like I always say, I go shallow. And it, I always try to find the weeds. If you know a lake where you can find some good, healthy weeds, go there and try it. And sight fishing to me is such a kick. It is so much fun. And you can tell right away if, uh, if, if you know, if the fish are going to be active or if they're just going to be lollygagging around and just uh, bumping your bait and not doing anything. But I think with the, with the fish being not, like you said, bombarded, and that's what it is. You know, when these anglers get out there, I talk to uh, uh, this uh, uh, dental technician where I go for my dental work. And she was saying that she doesn't like to go, uh, her and her family. She's got two sons, her and her husband, and they take the kids out ice fishing all the time. And she says they love to go to an area where it's not too um, crowded. And I says, that's what I like. That's what I do. Even if there's an area, of a lake that's got quite a few people out there, you have these little communities, I always go and kind of filter out by myself in a different area. Mm-hmm. And usually it's a good thing. The, the noise that most of these little communities make 
it's not good. We've talked about that before, the noise that is created by just walking with these cleats on. And it's uh, it does spook fish. And uh, so, but I think uh, for your caller, it's going to be really, really good. And it's going to, it's going to work. I mean, it's going to be really awesome for a while. And then it'll die down just like kind of normal. And so you'll have to go hunting a little, uh, a little more, a little, uh, um, a little uh, more active as far as um, finding where these fish are. Because once they leave the shallows, they'll go deeper on the outside of the weeds and then they'll go into the basin of the lake. And that's kind of fun. With all of our electronics we got, it shouldn't be too bad or too hard to find a school of fish. And uh, once you do it, it's, like we said, that's again um, so much fun about ice fishing. Uh, Tommy, remember when they, the DNR would post spawning areas in different bays and things on lakes? And they would uh, be, uh, <clears throat> they'd be closed to fishing until the 30, I think it was the 30th of June. And I remember, remember well. yep, and I remember looking at those signs as I'd go fishing and thinking, oh, gosh, I, I can't wait for the 30th. It's going to be just dynamite. I mean, Jiminy Christmas, because none of this water has been fished. And mm-hmm. I, it, the 30th came, and I, I was the first one there early in the morning in the dark because I was going to get, I was going to catch them. Got in. Get your share. <laughs> yeah, well... I got my share. I got my the, uh, share of zero is still zero, no matter what. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the the anticipation was yeah. so exciting, and it just kept driving me on and on. And with the lack of pressure on the lake, uh, without ice fishing on it, the longer it goes, the more that anticipation is gonna is going to break. And people are going yeah. to be antsy, and they're going to be ready to go in the spring. And and uh, I, I think that uh, a lot of it probably will be the same old, same old, but the fish population will not be missing the fish that got taken, that would have been taken from it in the winter. Yes, you know, Billy, that anticipation, like you're saying, is I think it, this is what's pushing people out too soon, and this is why there's accidents happening. Yeah. They can't, they can't hold back. Yeah. And I used to do the same thing. I was uh, young and dumb, and I would go out when there's two inches of ice. And I even brought my son, my son, my young son, and how dumb of me. But thank God we never did um, go through the ice or whatever. But you could see it cracking right under your feet. And holy moly, I just, uh, now, as you get older, you're supposed to get smarter. And I hope it worked a little bit. But just, um <laughs> Anticipation is always so exciting, and that's what keeps people's interest throughout, whether it's hunting, yeah. fishing, snowboarding, whatever. Yeah. And I feel bad for the ski resorts because they're fighting because it's uh, they're they're not doing as good as they normally would, and uh, they're still making snow, but it's not good snow. You know, the kids tell me that it's too it's too artificial mm-hmm. and it's too icy and it's not good. But anyways. I just hope that with this really cold snap coming, it'll harden things up, which it should, and it'll be a lot safer for people to get out. I know I'll be getting out, and uh, I hope uh, you you are able to get out, you and your little grandson, Jack, and you can show him some real fun uh, experiences. Tommy, I have to, we have to take a break. Are you okay holding with me? 
Oh, that'd be great, Bill. Okay. And we will take a pause, and we'll be back and, and chat with Tommy about some of the equipment that he introduced me to. He did. And uh, some of the, in fact, I just opened my console to get a Snickers this morning, and there was a, a package of jigs that Tommy had given me. And they are uh, in the in the truck because I want to be sure that they're with me when we go out because there's a, a package of fun in there and little bitty pieces of fun. So we'll come back and we'll talk about that and much more. The Fan. I wasn't born for digging deep holes. I'm not made for paving long roads. I ain't cut out to climb highline poles, but I'm pretty. Yes, I am. You know, I'm not fishing a whole lot. I'm not the time. I'm keeping staying in practice with the other. It just has to be after 12. Well, at least someplace it has to be after 12. That's kind of what we're going with. And But that's okay. Fan Outdoors coming your way. Billy Hildebrand here. <laughs> I love that song. Um, anyway, our guest is Tommy George, pro angler Tommy George, and we've been talking. Um, we've been talking, and that's kind of what friends do, because uh, Tommy and I can can BS about fishing an awful lot on the phone or in person. Doesn't make any difference, and there's just that's kind of one of the fun things about fishing too, the, the chatting about it and. Tommy, it's a little like hunting, too. The big ones that you lost and got away are always the ones that stay, that you you kind of stick in the memory banks and they pop up from time to time because it's uh, that's, that's the fun part. Really, that's that's always the case. The big ones always get away, which is okay. Yep, it is. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that was years ago that you and I were, I think it was out on Chisago Lake. It was. And, uh, yes, it was. I, I remember it. Uh, distinctly and it was a lot of fun and uh we we all caught fish and we all had our own personal little little traps and we're doing pretty good and um i guess is that what i gave you just a a, a little bunch of little jigs i guess yep yep and you know the, the little jigs they're and i look i look at them I dig into my console because they travel with me wherever I go, and I take it out at the lake and something if I'm going to take the kids uh, panfish fishing or if Jack wants to go fishing off the dock, which is just, that's really fun. I mean, that's how kids good idea. And yeah, uh, put good. put a little jig on, and and he, he just, just one after the other, there's a little sunfish, sunfish come out of the water, and gosh, it's fun. Yeah, and it's, you know, you don't have to worry about size. Just uh, just tug at the line and uh, the, the rod jumping a little bit, and it keeps their interest, and that's all you need. But those jigs, you know, Billy, a long time ago, I told, you know, when, when tungsten basically first came out, we talked about it. Yep. And at the beginning, I didn't really like tungsten because I liked a jig that had a super soft drop, you know, just a real light drop where because that really triggers a lot of bites. And But, you know, fishing deep, there's nothing better than tungsten. And so I changed my approach <laughs> and I got more tungsten, <laughs> I think, than I do anything. But uh, no, it's uh, they're all good and they all have good, um, 
you know, purposes for fishing different things. And when I fish shallow water, then I'll, then I'll use the real super light um, jigs where they just kind of drop down and they just kind of um, slide back and forth. And it, the fish really have a tough time uh, resisting them. And that when you, if you get a chance, Billy, take little Jack and do some sight fishing with him. And he'll have a ball. He'll, he will not let you go home. Yeah, and those are the fun times too, Tommy. I know that in the spring, the last year at least in the spring, we would go out, you know, his dad and I and, and Jack and, and mom too, and uh, mm-hmm. and fish sunfish in the, in the shallow waters from the boat. But it was always, always fun. And the first thing is he doesn't have a lot of patience to watch and to set the hook. Right. So you just let the yeah. bobber go down, you twitch it, and then you tell him that I think you got one think you got one and you hand the rod over and man it's a big deal when that little fish comes out of the water and he's holding on to it and he he looks like a, a just a man who has won a first place trophy and he's holding it yeah. up and it's such a big big deal but that's how it starts and that's how that's a beginning yeah. exactly bill i can see the smile on his face oh goodness he's such a little cutie pie so and uh, I still have that picture of your your son and your grandson walking down that trail when you guys went deer hunting. Yeah, and that it truly is so precious. And that's one of my one of my favorite pictures of a dad and his little boy. And that is totally awesome. Yeah, I, so, I agree. Uh, at least you you captured it. And you know, people talk about in getting more people into the fishing and hunting world, and this, that, and the other thing. But I, I really think in order for it to be ingrained and part of a lifestyle, it needs to start. It, it's the, the easiest part is to start when the kids are young and to make it part of your own lifestyle. And the, the it's really hard for the kids to to not get involved unless it's screwed up along the way. Right. Exactly, Billy. It's just, you, you said it, um, just absolutely perfect there's if you start young you, you ingrain that in their head and they have so much fun when they're little there's not a a boy or a little girl that doesn't like fishing really when you start them young yeah if you start them too late they don't want to you know it's uh, too squirmy and some if you're using night crawlers or if you're using leeches the the little ones sometimes don't want to touch them but when you start young they don't care at all they're just they, they'll put them in their pockets and they'll just uh and they will. They, they don't care. They just want to make sure that they have the right bait for them, for those giant fish that they're going to catch. But no, I've done that with my grandkids and Billy. It's uh, it's so much fun, and they want. They keep telling me now, um, they want to go ice fishing. And I said, honey, you got to wait. We're not going out until it's really safe. Yeah. And uh, I'll I'll definitely wait until the ice is at least a foot thick to go yeah. walking out. Yeah. And I can take my folder, but I'm going to definitely wait. Because uh, I don't want to have any accidents whatsoever. So, and things are so goofy this year. I just wish somebody could tell me what's happening, and uh, we'll, we'll see what's happening. And uh, it's it's so different this year. And and you and I always try and predict what's going on for this for the year and what's going to happen for the springtime or where they're going to be. But this this year is totally um, I'm I'm totally baffled. Tommy, I think that Stan Tequila is right on because Mother Nature drives this too. 
and she yeah. is the captain of this boat, and you can try to mess with her, but she's still going to win. Uh, the reality oh. is she is in charge. Yes. You hit that on the head, Billy. That's uh, I love Stan, and, and uh, congratulations on his retirement. Yeah. And uh, he's such a, uh, a knowledgeable guy. It's just it's so interesting, Not no, no matter what you talk to him about. He's got facts, and it's, it's. I don't know how he can retain that much information. <laughs> I don't so, either. But, and he's a good he's a good guy. Well, I, as far as the ice fishing equipment, Tommy, one of the things that I prize most and value most is my drill, my K-drill. And you turned yeah. me on to that. It's the most it's the the most impressive. And I know there's all kinds of them on the market now. But this yeah. th- this thing is the the cat's meow, and with all for all the right reasons, and it stand right yeah. now. It stands in the corner of my basement, yeah, all ready to rock and roll with the batteries, everything charged and ready to go, and it's just all set to to get out there. But the thing that that I value it so much about is opening old holes because there's not yeah, much exactly. that I know of that will do that. No, exactly, Billy. You know, um, that's what I took out uh, just Thursday. Okay, I had my K-drill, and um, I always use them because it's so much easier, to tell you the truth. Yeah. And I can almost tell how thick the ice is. Now, my, that K-drill only it spun, that, that auger only spun probably two times, and I was through. And that's how, no, that's how I knew how thin the ice was. But, uh, Billy, you're right. It cuts old holes. And it's it's really a good thing because of especially if you're in a wheelhouse or a fish house where you can't keep drilling new holes. You drill the old one, and this that K drill does it all. And like you said, there's a lot of drills out there now, but the K drill has always been number one. It really has been, and I hope you always um, good luck with yours. And by the way, those blades are guaranteed for life, Billy. Just to let you know. Yeah. And uh, if you ever have a problem, you can send them in to Bexlar, and they'll have them sharpened for you. But I, I tell people, I says, buy an extra set yep. in case you hit something on the ice, and, and it might ruin your weekend or your day fishing. So you, you can change them right on the lake and then put the old ones in the bag and send them to Bexlar, and you'll get them back in no time, and they'll be just razor sharp again. So it's a, it's a good – it's a really a good drill, and I'm glad – I'm glad you like yours. Well, it's kind of funny, Tommy, because last year when I was out, that the uh, the gas augers now, especially if they're dull, they are so annoying. I mean, they really are. <laughs> I mean, and it goes on and on and on. Finally, I don't know, it was last year or the year before, I had to get up. I left my house and, and went out, and I said, hey, guys, you want some help? <laughs> brought the drill and drilled the holes for him just so they would thankfully shut that thing off. Billy, <laughs> <laughs> I tried, you know, a friend of mine had his auger, and he'll still use his gas auger um, when the ice gets pretty thick. Yeah, yeah. But I'll I tell you what, these, these these K-drills go through three feet of ice with no problem at all, and it's uh, it's amazing. Plus, the the Gas augers weigh in the in the range of thirty some pounds, and the uh, K drill with the battery and the auger and everything, the drill weighs like nine pounds. Yeah, I mean you can't beat it. Uh, being old like we are, and at least I am, 
Yeah, me so too. Much, it's so nice to go and go and check things out, and you take it, you can throw it over your shoulder, and you can walk anywhere. And when you drill, there's no noise, there's no gas, there's no fumes, there's no smell. And you know when you when you do it in a fish house, it takes you uh, almost an hour to clean the, the smoke out of the fish house, so you can so you don't choke to death. But with these little key drills, they really are the, the real key. Well, you can back it up too, Tommy, and put the ice right back down underneath the hole, and it just kind of diffuse and uh, come up to the surface again. Right, exactly, Bill. You you use yours well, so that's good. You know what's going on with it, and. Uh, um, the boys need one. Um, just give me a shout sometime. Yeah, I will. Hey, what about, um, no, Eric has his own. Shad, you has mine. Um, anyway, uh, with when, how often do you change your line uh, on your ice rods? And how many rods, do you carry a lot of rods with you when you go? I do. I do. Play. Um, I usually have um, about a half a dozen in the house. Now I've got a, um, a clam um, case for rods and, and it's so jammed tight that it can hardly close it. And these are, these are really some really good rods. And, um, there's a lot of light ones and there's some walleye ones in there, but I, in the, in the wintertime, Billy, I use a lot of fluorocarbon line and I don't use a lot of braid. I do use braid for the walleyes and I'll use my braid, but I'm always using a fluorocarbon leader. And, uh, um, but, when when you're using braid, um, and it, it it collects water a lot more, and it freezes up easier. If you're going to do any hole hopping, it's um, it, you want to use some fluorocarbon. It cleans off better, and I'm changing that about every year, Billy. I do because I test them all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I'll pull a line out, and I, I I pull it on. I pull on it, and if it snaps, and I'm only using two pound, Billy. I do a lot of two pound and and some three, but um, I very seldom. I'll use four pound for walleyes, but um, for panfish, it's ninety percent two pound, and I really like it. And it's invisible, and you can see how it works in, uh, especially when you sight fish. You can learn so much from sight fishing and uh, how to turn the fish on. And uh, we used to drop little maggots in the hole. And you could get a fish turned on by that if you had them on your locator and you drop a, a maggot down a hole and it would go down, it would go past these fish that weren't very active. And then you drop another one and the, the, the maggot goes down past them and you drop the third one, all of a sudden it's gone. The fish ate it. So you got that fish turned on. So now you can drop one down with your little jig. You got that fish. Because they're they were negative at the time, but that just that slow drop has turned that fish on. So a lot of things you can do out there, but it's it's fun trying all that different stuff. Tommy, we're just about out of time, buddy. And the only the last comment I make on two pound line: if I break my line, God help me because I'm pretty much done. <laughs> really? I know I got some magnifiers on a property that have burned a hole in the side of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. Thanks, Billy. I, I appreciate you having me on. You bet. It's always fun chatting, Tommy, and uh, we will, we'll talk again in a couple weeks, bud. Thanks, Billy. You bet. That's Tommy George, pro angler Tommy George, and perhaps in two weeks we'll have some stories about the big one that was landed and the big one that got away. 
but not until we get good ice. So we will take a pause, and we'll be back with Mr. Tom Dockin, professional dog trainer and uh, extraordinaire, I might add, and a man who's always thinking about better ways to do it. That would be him. We'll take a pause and be back with Tom right after this. The fan. after the hour of 7 o'clock on a fan outdoors Saturday morning. In your part of the world, it could be snowing, and it could be snowing a lot. In my part of the world, so far it was just flurries on the way down here, but lots of wind. Uh, but you got to take it with the... However it arrives, because you got to survive, and you got to do dumb stuff and be safe, okay? Yep. Our next guest is a man who has joined us a number of times, and we always welcome him. He has uh, he has had uh, my two two of my dogs in bird and gun introduction. My sons two two of my sons' dogs also, and uh, bird and gun introduction, which is the foundation of pretty much everything for your bird dog. But the man I'm talking about is the man that uh, goes by the name of Mr. Tom Dockin. Tom, good morning, sir. Good morning, Billy. Well, sir. A little uh, frost on the pumpkin this morning out here in South Dakota. There is. Uh, what have you got for a temp? Other just 30, 32, 31 degrees? Yeah, right. Be, that, that would be like <laughs> July. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh no, we're we're uh, in the teens, minus in the teens this morning. That's Ooh. for sure. Oh my! Did you get snow? You know, we didn't. Really, we what? did not. Um, I was gonna. I was gonna say, if anybody wanted to go to South Dakota and have every public, you know, walk in any waterfall production area all to themselves to hunt pheasants, it'd be right now. Hmm. You know, it's kind of, it's it's cold, but we have very little snow where we're at, actually. Well, that's good. I mean, the the, yeah. the, the wind and stuff, it's windy here. Uh, I, I'm guessing you probably got some wind out there, but the lack of snow is the crucial part. Yeah, we, we got a lot of wind, uh, especially this morning, let the dogs out. And <laughs> they, they were in a hurry to do what they needed to do and get back in the house, I can tell you that. Well, I don't blame you. I don't blame them. I mean, if somebody puts me out barefoot with just some fur on, I'm going to be doing my business in a hurry too, buddy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, we were... Uh, we were going to uh, head down to Arizona to hunt some quail, and uh, we were going to leave on Thursday, actually. And all of that snow and, and uh, those conditions down there in Omaha kind of put the halt to us. So we said, you know what? We're just we're going to hunt some more pheasants here. That's not all bad. Has your season been going well? <laughs> Go ahead. Has your season been going well? It has. Uh, you know what late season's like. I mean, you're yeah. you're a pheasant hunter who's seen it all and done it all. It's uh, cattails and uh, and food. That's that's what it's all about right now. Which 
I like to say it's kind of like fishing. I mean, if they if they said, where am I going to go fishing? Well, you know, most of the fish are in a small part of the lake, and right now they are in the cattail sloughs, and they find something to eat, and especially with this wind. Yeah. And they're out, and then they're right back into those cattail sloughs. So it's, it's you know, if you know what to do and stay quiet and, uh, you know, kind of, target those areas you're going to find some birds well and you can walk into the woods which is or into the woods into the into the wind and that makes things a little bit easier as far as noise making too yeah it does you know this time of year they've been hunted you yeah. know, and they've been hunted for a while so if you can stay quiet go into the wind you know those you're right those windy days i i really like those windy days especially if you're going into these cattail foods because you know, that wind's making a lot of noise in the cattails, so they, you know, it kind of hides what you're doing. So if you're not blowing on a whistle or yelling at your dog, you know, you can kind of sneak up on them. But you got to be just slow, cautious, wait, uh, because they'll let you walk by, too. Yes, sir. <laughs> There's nothing like spinning and trying to get a shot, because it just usually don't work for this guy anyway. <laughs> Well, when you have all the clothes on, too, you're like walking out there like the Michelin man, <laughs> you know, right. trying to wield a shotgun. I, I think of that. There's a commercial that's on TV where this gal is wearing this big, white, fluffy coat, and she looks like a marshmallow. And uh, that's kind of when it gets the colder it gets, the more I take on a marshmallow look, buddy. That's all I'm saying. Oh. <laughs> you know, and I've got my shotguns where, you know, I have a. I have them padded for a summer stock, and then I and, I, and pads come off when I go late winter because you know that you getting that uh, butt of that shotgun caught in your clothing this time of year, especially you got all that on. You know, it it, it all happens. So, yeah, you got to just you know do different things this time of year. But boy, I tell you what, it's rewarding when you do you know get a few birds. Well, then those birds this time of year, Tom, they're so big, they're so beautiful. I mean, oh. they are as full of plumage. That you are ever going to find, and you can look at it in your hand and think to yourself, "This is a genuine trophy." Yeah, no, just nothing like it. You know, a lot of respect for those birds too. You know, especially up yeah. here in you know in this prairie area where they they have to put up with a lot, you know, to get along. But uh, boy, they're they're resilient. Yeah, they really are. It's amazing. I I looked around here last winter. I drove out to a lot of the areas that we hunt some of the farms and stuff, and I, I was just so amazed come spring that anything could survive. I mean, the, the landscape was white. The ditches were full. You step off the road, and you'd lose your vehicle if you got in the ditch, I think. And not only that, I know I would lose Bob because I've had to dig him out of some snowbanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought the same thing last year, and I think we probably had this conversation this <laughs> How is it possible when everything, the, the cattail sloughs are all knocked down to yes. the ground because we had a lot of rain and then it knocked them down. The shelter belts are, are almost non-existent because all the leaves are off most of them, and yet they come through. I, I would have bet on very low bird populations going into this year. I don't know how they do it, but uh, that's what makes them special. It is, Tom, and I, I don't know another bird that will... That will do that. I, 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 they they must be able to survive without eating every single day, or their food sources are a lot different than than at least I'm aware of. You know, and we see it with the deer out here too. Obviously, you know, 
what these deer do is they have to herd up. And then they'll find some of these farmsteads that still have cattle, have some feed available, and then have, you know, have some uh, winter cover close enough to them. But there's not that much movement. You'll see late in the day they they come out, they get something to eat, and then they're right back in. So they're they're conserving their energy as well, which you know that's that's how they've adapted. That's how they've made it. Yeah. Hey, uh, amazing, absolutely amazing. Well, we're you, fortunate to be in an area where, you know, you do have these birds out, and you got a lot of respect for them. And around here in Minnesota, we're done hunting, so a lot of uh, a lot of what we have going on is me either rabbits or squirrels or something like that. But and I really don't. The dogs like rab like squirrels, but I'm not a big one, on it, and I don't really want <laughs> them to hunt or hunt rabbits. Um, yeah. So that's, you know we're we're done on the thirty first out here, so you know people still have you know almost a couple weeks here now where they could get out and make uh, you know one last trip because it's a long time between when pheasant season is going to open up again. So as long as you're not fighting three feet of snow, and uh, you can get by with a little bit of cold. So that's that's an excellent comment, Tom, because I think that the yeah. cold people could survive the cold. You get back to the vehicle, get back into the truck or whatever. And, and climb inside, and your dogs can be, they can travel inside with if you want, or put uh, covers on your mm-hmm. kennel and a topper on it, or use a Suburban or uh, another SUV type of vehicle, and your dog's in good shape. But just to be able to go, even for short periods of time, come back and warm up, it's worth it. It is. You know, and I think when, when you think about it, this is going to be those last shots of the year to be able to get out and and you know go after pheasants and i know a lot of people are pretty passionate about this sport so you know you can sit inside all winter long but you know if you say you know what i could have went out a couple more times and you know your dog would be willing to go no matter what hello there could be a tornado a hurricane or whatever and you start grabbing your <laughs> shotgun and they go yeah i'm in you know <laughs> yep. let's go uh so if you do go out what and let's say you've got some snow or just cold on the ground now what do you have to be aware of with your dog, too, as far as taking care of your buddy? Well, our, right now, and I, I kind of noticed, you know, and I, we look at our dogs constantly when we're going out. Is they'll be, although we don't have, you know, maybe have about an inch, inch and a half in most of the places. That's not, I mean, this time of winter, that's not hardly anything. It's how much crust you've got on underneath that, and we do have some of that. And so other pads. Uh, you know, you got to be looking at their pads because they'll get raw. Another thing you'll see because we're hunting cattails, if if your dogs are in those cattails and pushing through, uh, you know, you're going to see that they're going to start wearing the hair off around their eyes, around their muzzle. And so you just need to kind of be paying attention to that. I, and, and really, for the most part, if they're moving, they're fine. You know, so if, like you talk about a short-coated dog, like your short hairs, English pointers, some of them, you know, they've got very little, you know, very little thermo to keep them going. So uh, maybe a neoprene vest or something like that for those shorter-coated dogs. When it, I mean, yeah, and I, no, I totally you know, a fair amount of pheasant hunting with, and as long as he was moving, yeah, he's good. But you'd stop for ten or fifteen minutes. You know, you go like, all right, we got to get moving again. So you do have to be aware of it. Like anything else, they're not going to be concerned about their health. Their only concern is about going and finding birds. Mm-hmm. So it's up to us to just kind of watch for those things. Dogs, my dogs, when I get them out, there's a lot of just reaching over to grab snow and eat it. 
it, that's not good enough for moisture, is it? No, 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 it's not. It, you know, and everybody's dog's different on what they, you know, they all require a certain amount of things that what, what you're going to have to look for is, is making sure that they get everything. And then water hydration is a big thing. Most of them aren't going to drink. And then snow is just not enough. Say, well, my dog's digging down and he's, he's, he's eating snow. That's not going to be enough. So you got to, you know, have enough water with you. And then when you get done hunting, make sure that they're, they're getting enough water. And then also maybe uh, put water on their food if you're feeding dry food, just so they're going to take care of that hydration. Tom, we have talked quite a while. I need to uh, take a break. Can you hold with, yeah. with me? Excellent. Absolutely. We, our guest, Mr. Tom Dockin. We are talking dogs. We come back. We'll talk about winter conditioning. What do you need to do to keep your dog if they lose conditioning and also feeding your dogs? And have you got one that's kind of regressing a bit? And let's say he's dropping birds or she's dropping birds coming back. What do you do? Anything? Just kind of walk over and pick it up and say, well, better luck next time, buddy. We'll find out right after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On the fan. When the sun back. Be with you until the eight o'clock hour, and then turning things over to uh, Tucker and Sinekin in the zone. So you keep it right here on the fan all day long. Brett will be with you until noon, and then he's off to a nap. Correct. <laughs> Nineteen minutes after the hour, our guest, Mr. Tom Dockin, professional dog trainer extraordinaire, Tom Dockin, and he is a, a man who enjoys. The out of doors, all the outdoors. It doesn't make any difference if it's fishing or hunting or anything in between. In fact, I had a promotion not long, well, a long time ago, actually. I noticed Tom, a member of the fishing group that we were all with, and uh, asked him, and he says, Well, yeah, I enjoy fishing. Just like, what's wrong with you? So I, I apologized for that, and I still do, but. Uh, he is an excellent, excellent dog trader. Tom, when uh, hunting season does wrap up, and for a lot of people, pretty much myself included, the it has wrapped up. Conditioning of your dog, a little bit different when it comes to some really cold weather and winter time, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, depending on how much you get out with your dog, you know, a lot of times... It, it's kind of two ways. It, it they end up being housebound to a certain amount, you know, because if you're not active and getting outside and doing things, you know, they're not going to be as well. So that kind of dog there is probably going to put on some weight that you didn't that you really didn't anticipate. But on the same hand, if they're hunting, you know, they're going to be dropping weight, or especially you know pheasant hunting. Now, I know Tina's young dog. Um, you know, she's very, very active, a heck of a nice pheasant dog. She's just two years old 
and keeping weight on her during the hunting season is way different. Uh, but now we're coming out of the hunting season, so I'll be curious on her, you know, how long it'll take for her to maybe put on those extra three or four pounds that she needs. So, uh, but if you're active, you know, like Bob, I mean, he's out, he's cross country skiing, he's doing all of those things. Yeah. So those dogs are getting out and they're probably maintaining a lot of, you know, a lot of that, uh, you know, shape that they had during the hunting season. So those dogs still need to be fed, uh, probably the same amount as you're getting out. So, Here's one that I get a lot. You know, I'm feeding a really high quality dog food to my dog during the hunting season. Then I'm going to cut back and I'm going to I'm going to go to a lower lower quality. Ooh. You know, because they don't need it. Don't don't go to a lower quality dog food. Just cut back, cut yeah. back that amount. Uh, and people also say, well, how much should I feed my dog? Well, I say I don't know. And I go, what do you mean you don't know? You've fed thousands of dogs over there. You have to look at your dog when you feed it every day, and we do. So when we look at them, we'll know what that adjustment needs to be. And, you know, four or five days of of maybe feeding more than you should, you're going to see it, you know, start to show up. So just look at them. And if you see that little tuck behind their rib cage, you know, that's what you want. If you see it's a little bit, you know, that tuck's getting a little too much, just increase or decrease as you go. So... Uh, that that part's relatively easy, but when they start dropping the amount of time that they're spending out in the field or their activity levels less, just adjust, just like us. Our waistline gets different, too. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no comment. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but nobody's looking at our waistline no, every day. No, that's very that's true. <laughs> that's the least of my concern. Um, with with food that you're feeding your dog, there's a lot of things. There's advertising that shows up on television that really I I would encourage people, and I, I'm thinking you agree to if you're if you're moved by the advertising, give it some real thought and look at the ingredients that you're feeding, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 And that, you know, you know how many, there's so many brands of, of food out there, you know, without giving a plug, but I'll give a plug. Purina has been one of our sponsors for a long time, but the formula that we feed is a 30, 20, 30% protein, 20% fat. And the fat content really gives that dog that big energy boost. Uh, so when you look at, when you look at those two things, when you're looking at a dog food, look at, those numbers because those numbers will change uh with the amount uh, of protein or the amount of fat in a food so we feed year-round a 30 20 blend uh but we like i just said we just adjust the amount for the time of the year well and but yeah it's important i mean you're, you're feeding an athlete for the most part when we're talking about these hunting dogs i i totally agree and i am not sponsored by purina and that's all my dogs get and my old yeah. dog is 13 now and she's in great shape. I mean, and, and I I don't know if it has to do with the food, but it certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, and yeah, but she's on borrowed time now, and I just I want to keep her as long as I can. So. Yeah, we've got an older one. Tina has her older dog. She's a twelve and a half right now, and to watch her out there, yeah, they're not running like they're two years old, but you know they want to be out there and. And if you keep them in good shape, you're you're going to get a extra lifespan on them. It's a proven thing 
that you're going to get, uh, you know, if you keep them uh, on a little on, just a little on that lean side, uh, but maintain, you know, good health on them, you're going to get a longer life out of them. That, that, that's just a proven fact. And the desire, Tom, I, I only hunt, I had snap just short periods of time and then she goes back in the car. But the howling is just when I'm walking away and she's crying so loud. Oh, my God. It just tears my heart out. And oftentimes I, I give in. And I've got to go back and let her come again for a little while. Uh, yeah. That, that and does, they'll recover. You know, you, you know, if you give them, you know, you look at them the next day and go like, mm, you're looking pretty good here in the house trying to lobby to go out again today. Well, yeah. all right, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. That's that's their whole life, and that is everything to them, along with you. Um, what about a dog regressing, Tom, throughout the, the hunting season? I, I saw that comment from somebody that it was sent to me, and well, what do I do? Uh, dropping birds and getting a little sloppy on things. Do you just start from scratch again? Yeah, you know, there's always that maintenance. You know, it, it, I always you know, kind of related back to sports team when, you know, when the season, the the more you play in, in the games, you know, you might start going back, developing some bad habits. And then it's, it's about, you know, let's go back and block and tackle. Let's do this. Uh, so even, you know, like say your baseball players, I mean, they're doing hitting practice every day before a game or they're, they're fielding ground balls or catching fly balls. I mean, it's, it's fundamentals. And that's one thing that we lose during the hunting season you know, we're out there hunting. Let's go, let's go, let's go. So maybe it's control. Maybe you're losing a little bit of control or, or like you say on those retrieves where you expected that retrieve to come all the way back in, sit down, deliver to hand, you know, during the off season. And then you get out there and get hunting and things get fast. And now you're, you're reaching out to take a bird from the dog before he gets to you. And then, well, maybe he wants to set it down out there a little ways and, and you give in and you walk up and pick up a bird off the ground. Well, they start picking up on that, and they go, well, this is close enough. So it's really one of those things you go, like, what are my standards? And But it's also up to you to go, like, you're noticing what you're letting slip, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I let that slip. And then it's not quite as good, but it's good enough. And then all of a sudden it just gets worse. But I always say off-season, be realistic say what what was falling apart and go back and tackle that during the off season and so much of this stuff can be done indoors anyways you know just fundamentals coming sitting staying if it's pointing dog whoa uh teaching your dog to hold something in its mouth heck that can be done in the living room it can be done in the basement it can be done in the garage uh so you don't have to be out on 100 acres to do some of these things yeah that's a good point and i i know Mm -hmm. that with uh, with my old dog, um, is she? I, I sometimes I think that when I I expect her to do something, she's blowing me off. But one of the things that I kick myself in the pants about is she may not be able to hear me after all the gunshots and all the things that she's had going on over her head over time, and just time, time itself may impact her hearing. So it might not be. Just her blowing me off. Yeah, Tina's twelve year old is that way, and 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 she's a real chow hound too. So you know if if you're if you're making something or you're shaking like a, a bottle of uh, 
fish oil pills where she normally would have hear it, you go like, is she just not hearing this on purpose? And you do a few of those things and go, she really can't hear. Yeah. Uh, but what we have, these new, you know, new collars out on the market now have, have tone or vibrate. Yep. So we operate her a bit with vibrate on that collar. And we use that as, as come when called, you know, cause if you don't have, otherwise you have to have visual contact and she'll respond maybe with our hand motion. But so dogs like that. Yeah. My, hey, my hearing's not as good as it was when I was in, you know, my twenties or thirties. And Gina will tell you that for sure. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's keep that a secret. Okay, I'm not going to tell. If you don't tell on me, I won't tell on you. How's that? <laughs> um, uh, Tom, I, I know that we mentioned fishing before. You are a, a person who really enjoys fishing, don't you? You know, and I, we geez, we grew up where we jump on our bicycles, and we were probably... Lake Owasso in Roseville, we'd get on our bikes, have our fishing rods, and we'd go down to the trestle. It seemed like almost every day yeah. and fish. So, uh, you know, we're lucky. And then also in South Dakota here, we, we're in an area where we have the lakes. So we're right, you know, we're right in the middle of it. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, we're pretty fortunate to be in the upper Midwest where we have all these options where we can just do it at any time, yeah, I you know, agree. we wish. but. You know it. You grew up that same way. So did we. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And I, I don't think I'd want to do it any other way or have my kids do it any other way either. So it's all good stuff. Hunting and fishing, it's, it's all the right things. And, Tom, I thank you for your time. It's, I know it's valuable. And even though I screwed up a Thursday night for you, I, I apologize again for that. But I do, uh, I do thank you for this morning. And I wish you would uh, send my best to Tina, and let's do it again, okay? That's Tom Dockin. We will uh, we will catch up again another time, and we do thank him for joining us this morning. We'll take a pause and be back maybe with Bob St. Pierre if, if, he can crawl his way into some liquid or find a phone or maybe just find some find some civilization. I imagine that's where he is, trying to get some water someplace out in the desert. We'll be right back. One more segment. The Fan. mental image of our next guest stranded out in the desert crawling through the sand clothes all tattered and torn looking for water just on his stomach just one slow stretch at a time with his lips cracked and bleeding from from no moisture whatsoever with a mirage off in the distance of this oasis with all these dancing girls as he comes up to it and we find him out there and he's joining us on the radio. Bob, can you speak? Have you, <laughs> can, can you say anything? 
Uh, I was wondering what was going to be on the Oasis, and I was, uh, I, in my mind, I said, the captain's going to say Dancing Girls, and, and you did. So, <laughs> um, I, I, I can speak. I, oh, I am in the desert. It's it's not as, uh, <laughs> uh, it's not quite the way you've described it, but um, we'll roll with it. We'll go. <laughs> any any skulls that are left there with some horns sticking up from them? Oh, the, <laughs> there, there are lots of skulls in the desert. Uh, we picked up a javelina skull. Um, well, uh, we is probably the, one of the guys I'm with ah. picked up a javelina skull and put it in the back of his uh, game vest as a souvenir. And uh, so, yeah, you go ahead and take that. <laughs> I, I neither want it nor do I want the weight. Um, we, I think we walked, I don't know, 15, 16 miles through the desert, um, not with a horse with no name. Wow. Um, but we wandered wandered through the desert looking for a couple of different species of quail yesterday and had a marvelous time. Are you riding llamas? <laughs> I am not. Uh, no llamas involved on this particular trip. Oh. Um, uh, no, we're uh, in the llamas that I took. Uh, the years blend together now. I think that was 20, maybe 2019, 2018. Really? Um, oh, my goodness. It was, it was a while back now. Um, that, those were used to haul um our our camping gear and food and all of our equipment in about three miles into um that was down here in arizona but it was more what they call the sky islands rather than the desert it was if you were dropped out of a helicopter you would think aside from the types of plant life you would think you were in montana oh, uh, elevation is higher there's um, what they call live oak. It's oak that never lose their leaves. Oh. Um, and it's kind of tall grass, savanna with canyons. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced that, um, outside of chucker hunting, it's, it's the second most challenging physically, um, the bird to hunt. Um, but, but yeah, that was a, a same area. Just a different bird than we did uh, one after yesterday. I think today we're probably going to go into <laughs> llama country and uh, uh, look for Montezuma or Mern's quail, depending on where you're from. They It's a bird with two different names, but it means the same species. Hmm. I thought you were going to add revenge to the back of Montezuma. <laughs> well, they, that's what they say about, uh, yeah, Montezuma's revenge. I, I, I hope that uh, um, that is not part of the mix. Today. Good, good. <laughs> so do I. Um, but, yeah, the, the Montezuma quail uh, is what they call it in New Mexico, and um, the, the Native, Native Americans refer to them as Montezuma. Um, Spanish, Spanish folks, Mexico. Um, and then, uh, in Arizona, they're referred to as Merns, um, which I think is named after, um, the ornithologist that, um, um, kind of put them into the, the book. But, well, Bob, you better hold on I, because they're probably going to get a new name. Well, my assumption is I'll revert back and call them Montezuma because I think that there's some cultural history history to those. My guess is the Merns 
name is going to be the element that's uh, eliminated. Uh, uh, but who knows? But it, it's a really beautiful bird. It's um, it's a it's a quail. So it's it's about the size of a bobwhite quail. So you know, a little bit larger than your fist. Um, it's got um, mottled black and white feathers, or like feathers. The white is kind of think about little teardrops throughout. Um, so they're just really beautiful birds, and they have um, they look like this again the size of a bobwhite, but their legs, their legs and feet are abnormally large. They're like alien large, and that's because they dig up these tubers, oxalis, that live in this this area, and, and that's their primary food source. So oh. they're actually digging into the ground, and when you're hunting these areas, it, you know, it's kind of high desert, um, and you, if you come across, and it's a, there's a lot of rock, but if you come across these little diggings, then you know you got to get ready um, because that you're, it's a birdie area. And, the, and it's really, really challenging hunting up and down these canyons. It's physically very demanding. Um, the one redeeming quality of Merns is they, they generally hold very um, solid um, stationary for a pointing dog. Hmm. So if you can imagine you're at the bottom of a canyon and your dog goes on point at the top, you know, uh, by the time you get there, like literally, it could be ten minutes. Um, you know, if it's a pheasant, <laughs> that, that pheasant isn't going to wait for you. <laughs> no. It's 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 run away. It's flown up. But these merns quail are a lot like uh, woodcock in that they hold super tight. And if your dog is solid on point and holding and waiting, um, both the dog and the birds will wait until you get there, and then the the hunter flushes them. Generally, there's trees around, so it's a little bit of rough grouse hunting element with trying to shoot through and around trees. But they're they're they normally get up right at your feet, and they're you know they're, they're not flying as fast as a rooster. So if you can get to them, they're not terribly difficult to shoot. But the the if you can get to them is the uh, is the key element, which is the exact opposite of what I was hunting. Yesterday in the desert, I was hunting scaled quail, another bird with multiple names. We live in Texas. Um, they call them blue quail. Some places call them cotton tops because they get, look like they have a little mohawk on their head. Um, and then um, um, here, we, we call them scaled quail because their feathers are in the shape of fish scales. Huh. Uh, another really, really beautiful bird but it's kind of like at first blush it's really drab and and brown and gray and it, it, and you got to look closely and then you're like wow this is gorgeous but it's it's that drab color to blend in with the desert and they are track stars um they had us running 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 and um you would just keep running to try to catch up to them and get shots and hope that you know one or two would hold in a little bit of bunch grass as you're approaching. Same thing with the other species we're hunting. And as far as I know, there's only one name to these, <laughs> the, the the gambles quail. And these um, are kind of a little bit bluish gray with some black um, in the face for the for the males. And they, the males have um, what's called a top knot, which is a kind of a feather that 
comes out the top and then forward into a ball. Um, and that, uh, there's, a, there's a few quail species that have that top knot. The, the, the California Valley quail, um, these, these, um, these gambles quail. Um, so it's a really interesting, beautiful bird and, and they run as well. So these birds that run across the sand and rock into the grass, into the mesquite, um, and then you, they just keep running. So they're a real challenge to, um, for pointing dogs, but it, it was, it was beautiful country. We had, I know it, there's a cold front back home. Um, we're looking at about a 62 degrees in sunshine today in the Arizona desert, which a week ago they had more snow than we did in Minnesota. That, that is all melted and it's been a reversal of fortunes for me. So well, it's, it's very interesting cover. That sounds a little like our weather here too. Really does. Yeah. I mean, I think outside on my way in, it was seven degrees and clouds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It it's uh, it it just keeps changing. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, just a top tenner here today. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful day. How was your hunt yesterday? Did uh, uh, did you see quite a few birds? We did. We we really did see a lot of birds. Um, there, the um, we had. Four, yeah, four hunters um, rotated some dogs. Um, I don't know what our total count. I, I think desert birds you can shoot fifteen a person. We were nowhere near that. Oh my. Um, I think I think we were in the neighborhood of uh, for our group maybe seventeen birds. You know, and it, it, they're they're different than you're used to. So we. We made some shots. We missed the, we missed some shots, um, but you know it was it was gorgeous. Uh, we saw we had a one dog pointed this clump of grass, and uh, me and another guy surrounded the clump of grass, and out popped a giant bobcat. Um, so that's I've not seen a pointed bobcat before. Yeah. Um, so that that was that was very uh, interesting, exciting. Um, yeah, you just kind of never know. There's there's we were hunting an area yesterday um, just down the slope from a canyon where a jaguar uh, was was viewed um, earlier this fall. Um, there are not too many jaguars around, at least I hope not. Um, but I wouldn't mind getting a look at one. But, yeah, it's just different country. Huh. Are the, uh, so, uh, one of our listeners want to know, are your dogs snake trained? Um, so I did fly down. Um, so I don't have my dog. Right. Um, and none of the dogs that, um, I'm here are snake trained. They do have the, um, the snake vaccination. Um, that's not foolproof, but that's, uh, um, helpful. But like I said, a week ago, they had three, four inches of snow here. Um, overnight it's in the upper twenties, early thirties. I'm, I'm optimistic that um, most of the snakes, even in Arizona, are hibernating. Mm. Um, you know, it, it'll get to 60 today, so there's there's a, certainly a chance that snakes will be out and about um, as the day warms up. But they're still pretty lethargic, as far as my understanding, uh, this time of year. I mean, it, it, uh, when we flew in, uh, so we flew in on Thursday afternoon, and it was... Uh, a winter storm down here, and I, I no lie. I mean, it was there was snow, a sleet, 
45 mile an hour winds. So I'm I'm not particularly worried that we're going to have any snake issues. No. Uh, what about uh, hunting without your own dogs? Because you're a you're a person that all season long. I haven't seen you more than once or twice, but I know that <laughs> your dogs are your hunting partners. And now being without them, what was yeah. that like? It's a little bit of a nature walk. Um, it it definitely isn't the same without your own dogs. Uh, and it. I think this is the fourth time I've been down here, and it was one of those trade-offs. Um, it's a 26-hour drive mm-hmm. to get here, and uh, I, so it's a two-plus-day drive. You can you could be hunting by the third day, you know, m- midday easily if you dri- if I had driven. Um, but it's two and a half each way, <laughs> so five days of driving, and then hunting in between. I just don't have that kind of time off, um, so I, I decided to take the long weekend and just uh, fly down, hunt with some friends that uh, their co-workers that had, there were two folks did drive down, Marilyn and Clyde Vetter, um, to work, uh, obviously Marilyn's the president and CEO, Pheasants Forever, and she drove down with her dogs and worked from here last week. Oh. Um, and then uh, she brought down Matt Kaharski's dog. Um, so there's, I think we have six dogs down here. Matt and I flew. Um, and yeah, it's a little bit, it, it definitely different not having your own dogs, but it's it's kind of a, a, a hunt I look forward to. I just didn't want to make the trade-off of spending a total of five days in a vehicle. I, no, I get that. So, so they're enjoying the winter with Meredith this weekend. Well, you wouldn't let anybody else drive anyway if you were driving down. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some truth in that. Uh, one of our listeners said that uh, he hunted land east and north of Scottsdale a long time ago mm. and said they were tough birds aplenty, but a, a lot of them by the mile. But also, it was yeah. a lot of work, which you yeah. kind of alluded. To. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of work. I'm quite a, quite a ways from Scottsdale. I'm um, I'm near the town of Sonoida, um, which Sonoida and Patagonia are very well known as the leaping off point for Mern hunting. We drove a good hour and a half yesterday towards the New Mexico border, um, so we were south and east in the desert yesterday, uh, chasing desert quail. So, yeah, it, I, I think today we're going to go get our butts kicked a little bit for Merns, and then uh, <laughs> um, Sunday Sunday we'll probably uh, relax a little bit, uh, um, meaning we'll hunt desert birds where we don't have to go up and down elevation, and then I'll hop on a plane Monday and get back to work. But... Um, yeah, it, it's one of those, if you were only down here hunting merns day after day after day, climbing up and down the canyons, I think, uh, I think you'd be worn out pretty darn quickly. It's, it's hard, hard going. Well, sir, I appreciate you checking in. I wish you a good hunt today and looking forward to hearing all about it next weekend. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Cap. Thanks, buddy. I will buddy. see you next weekend. Yes, sir. That's Bob St. Pierre in Arizona. Hey, I want to say thank you to Tommy George. Special thank you to Tom Dockin for joining us, and also, of course, Bob. Thank you for allowing Brett and I to travel with you. For my executive producer, Brett Blakemore, 
I am Billy Hildebrand wishing you a good weekend, a great week, and I'll see you next Saturday morning, same time, same place. Till then, ta-ta. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.